Jen. Welcome to the Post Sermon Podcast. I am Deacon Estalia, and with me today is Vicar Allen. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Doing okay. How are you? Doing well. Thank you. So we are discussing your sermon from this past Sunday, and remind us, what is the text that you preached on? Yeah, the text is Genesis 22. Uh, it's one of those famous passages that we kind of just hear uh, growing up. It's about uh, Abraham taking his son Isaac uh, to sacrifice him to God. And um, even though it may be famous for us, uh, we know about this story. We've heard it uh, many times, but it's still a challenging text to read. Um, it's really difficult for us. And uh, that's something uh, that I try to bring out in the sermon is bringing out all those emotions that we kind of have is reading this is, you know, it's uh, unsettling in many ways that God has asked Abraham to do this. Um, and yet we see the faith of Abraham. He listens to what God has asked him to do, and he takes Isaac, and he goes there. Uh, but of course we see God stop Abraham and and remind not only him but all of us of the promise that God does not forget his promise, but he will carry out his promise through his descendants, uh, and where through those descendants we will see the Son of God, come into the world for for us, uh, making all of us descendants of the faith. So let's start out with the problem. What was the problem in your sermon that you tried to identify? Yeah, as I was preparing for the sermon, uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me was how Abraham responded. Um, when Abraham responded, he said, uh, here am I, or here I am, um, which was really interesting to me. You know, every time uh, God called out, or even Isaac called out to him, uh, that's just how Abraham responded. It took a while for me to just meditate on those words and to understand how or why he used it. And then uh, looking at the gospel text that came from John 8, uh, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. And so I wanted to bring all of that together, combining it together and seeing this continuation of Abraham saying it and Jesus saying that I am. But the problem for all of us that I address is the difficulty that we have saying those words. Because if you see, whenever Abraham said it, um, God had given him this task to do, which is to sacrifice his son. And so uh, that's the challenging thing in our lives. If we say the words, here I am, God is asking us uh, to do his will. Of course, as Christians, we see God's will as the Ten Commandments, um, loving the neighbor, uh, doing as Jesus commanded to go and make disciples. Um, but how many times have we kind of find, find it difficult to actually do the will of God? And that's why um, it's a good reminder that we come back to Christ, who is the I Am, who is the one who makes us able to say those words, forgives us, and makes us... Uh, a continuous part of the people of faith. Yeah, so you're saying on our own, we're not able to say those words like Abraham said, here I am. Yeah, uh, it's difficult for us because if we say it, it's doing the will. And um, and it's not our will anymore, it's God's will, right. which is always something we can Always contrary to what, what we want, right? It's not about us anymore. So then if the problem was we are not able to say, here I am. 
how then did you get to Jesus? How is Jesus the medicine? What I was uh, studying from the text is uh, reading a little bit more about who stopped Abraham. And, and we read about the angel of the Lord. And so uh, there are many commentaries that speak about who this angel is. Um, you know, usually when we hear about the angel, we think of uh, angel Gabriel, who, who came and announced to Mary, uh, you'll have a son, or any other angel in the Bible. But this angel of the Lord was different. And why was he different is because in the text, um, he specifically uses the language that you do not sacrifice. He uses the language that you did not withhold your son Isaac from me, which is key to understanding that this angel of the Lord, there was something more to it. He's using this language of did not sacrifice it to me, which is claiming uh, the divinity uh, or the understanding that this is God who is stopping Abraham, the one who has authority over all, um, that has authority over him to stop this. And so the angel of the Lord stops him. Um, if we read a little bit more, we understand that this is the pre-incarnate Christ. So being the pre-incarnate Christ, he stops him because God himself was going to carry this out. Christ is the one that's going to carry out this sacrifice, a sacrifice even greater than Isaac. Um, and I kind of go in this with the problem is that Isaac um, doing the sacrifice, um, it would have been a death just like ours because he was a son born into sin. Um, so that sacrifice would have been just a death, but Christ's sacrifice is a sinless death. He was sinless, and he died taking on our sins. Yeah, I love that so much. And it reminds me, too, in the Old Testament, all the animal sacrifices that we have um, that God commanded uh, his people to do. And that, that, you know, pointed to their, you know, their need for the forgiveness of sins. Um, but it it was not that complete atonement for their sins. Like, that didn't happen until... Jesus came like all of that um, leading up to Christ was pointing to him, you know, including, including this, right. And this, I think was even clearer in that way of, like you said, the angel of the Lord saying like, like stop Abraham. And he ended up providing um, a ram for the sacrifice instead. So it's just cool to see how this is just a great picture of what Jesus was going to do for them. Right. Isaac, Isaac's sacrifice is not salvation. It's not salvation, um, but is an encouragement of faith, of seeing this, all of this play out, um, seeing it through the lens of God's saving work in action. God, that God is giving this promise to Abraham. It is going to be carried out through the promise that he gave that he will have many descendants. And through those descendants, the son, the Christ, uh, will come and give salvation uh, to all, making all uh, nations, uh, descendants of the faith, uh, making Abraham the father of all nations, the father of faith. Um, just seeing that example of uh, God carrying out his promise through this, through Christ, seeing it uh, Christologically, reading this text Christologically, that points to the ultimate sacrifice that Christ will do. I really loved in your sermon how you did mention that we are sons or children of Abraham, right? Um, 
And I think that's a good reminder for us. Um, kind of going back to the, that problem that we're not able to respond the way Abraham had responded in faith on our own. But then I think what you were getting at, like knowing that Christ has come and is that sacrifice for us, uh, we now by his spirit are able to respond in faith, right? I think that was what you're getting at with the yeah. So the now gospel, right, for us? We're able to respond in that same faith because, again, Abraham is not regarded as the father of faith because he was very faithful, but it was a reminder that God is faithful. God is faithful, and he is the father of faith because God is faithful uh, in his promise, carrying out his promise through this. Yeah, I like that. We don't want to focus so much on his, on Abraham's faith and the fact that his faith is founded in God and God is faithful. Yeah. And, um, this might be a good time too to, um, you know, your, your text was Genesis 22, but you did also have to look at Hebrews 11, right? Cause Hebrews 11 gives us some context as to knowing that Abraham like, how do we know he responded in faith that this was a good thing? Um, and do you want to read from Hebrews 11 that talks about, um, gives us some context as to how we know Abraham responded in faith? Hebrews 11 is a very important text for understanding uh, the story of Abraham in Genesis is because it's great that the Bible gives commentary. <laughs> Whenever the Bible gives commentary on something in Scripture, that is that is really helpful. And so in Hebrews 11... Uh, this is a passage that's talking about by faith, and it's talking about the faith, faithful people uh, that have come and lived their life in the faith, living according to God's will and word. Um, in the chapter before, in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about Christ's sacrifice for all. And so uh, the writer of Hebrews is bringing us along on this journey of understanding once this sacrifice has been done once and for all through Christ, how do we understand faith? How do we see that these faithful uh, patriarchs from the past, how do we understand them and their life of faith? And now we're reading it Christologically. And over here in Hebrews 11, verse 17, um, we read, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessing on Jacob and Esau. And so uh, this is such a, a great reminder of the heaviness of the task that God had given to Abraham. Yet Abraham goes because he knows that God is faithful. He knows God can raise people from the dead, right? So maybe he didn't know what exactly was going to happen to Isaac? He thought he really was going to have to sacrifice him, but he trusted that this is the God who can raise raise people from the dead. Yep. And so even if Isaac was offered up as sacrifice, God is still going to do his promise. And so he, he had the faith to that point where he knew Isaac will be raised. The promise will be continued. Um, and of course... Uh, the sacrifice was stopped because Christ, because God did not want that sacrifice. He wanted the ultimate sacrifice. Right. 
Well, very good. So we have a couple of here's some questions uh, that are from your sermon that I think both are really good questions. Let's start with this first one. The question is, how do we know slash decide when to interpret the use of the name angel of the Lord to be Jesus and not just another angel who speaks for God? Yeah, I touched a little bit on this. Um, and so, uh, like I said, when we're, whenever we're reading about the angel uh, of the Lord, uh, especially in this passage, uh, again, it points, uh, I immediately point to how the angel of the Lord is responding. And the angel of the Lord responded with authority that you do not hold your, withhold your son Isaac from me, um, which is uh, a really significant claim uh, that only God does, that only God can say that with authority. And so uh, we can understand that this is the, this is the angel of the Lord that is, that is talking with authority, who is God himself. And then the second part, um, we understand that the angel of the Lord um, is also translated as the messenger or the word of the Lord. And so who's the word of the Lord? Uh, it's Jesus. Je- uh, we read that in John, and we get to see it more in uh, unpack in John chapter 8. Before Abraham was, I am, right? Uh, John is carrying this uh, this message of who is the word of God. Uh, the word of God was in the beginning, um, and he became flesh and now stands in front of uh, these uh, Pharisees and, and people and says boldly that before Abraham was, I am. And so um, understanding this connection together, the angel of the Lord who stopped Abraham from doing this was there from the beginning. He was the word of God that was always there from the beginning. So then kind of thinking when we are reading through other passages that have to do with angels, um, are we then looking at the context and seeing if this angel is, like you said, like referring referring to himself as God? I mean, like you said, he said you didn't refer, you didn't. You did not you, withhold. You did not withhold your only son from me. So he's talking like God would. He's not saying you didn't withhold your only son from from God. Right. Like, so is that one way to tell when we're reading about angels in scripture? Yeah, we have to be uh, reading carefully. And, and also other angels, um, they're uh, very explicit in introducing themselves. Like, I have come from God. The, the Lord has oh, had, had yeah. grace upon you, had, has mercy on you. And so you can tell that the them carrying the message is way different than how the angel of the Lord in Genesis 22 responded. And so we have to be uh, careful of these things. Um, in this text, um, it was very clear um, who the angel of the Lord was. And, yeah. And if you're especially reading it Christologically, you can understand it even better that right, the right, one who's yeah. stopping him is the one who's going to be sacrificed. Right. But no, it's definitely good to see he's not just, this angel of the Lord is not just representing God here, but he he is, like you said, the, the pre-incarnate Christ. And this is called a theophany in scripture. And there's a few other examples we have in the Old Testament. So I thought it would be fun for us to talk about a couple of the other examples of like the pre-incarnate Christ, these theophanies that are in the Old Testament. One example in Genesis is, this is going back to Genesis 18, and we have angels who visit, uh, I guess it's Abram at the time. So yeah, Abram and Sarah, right? Um, or no, no, I'm sorry. 
Abraham. He is Abraham at this point. Abraham and Sarah. Um, and how do we know here that these angels, that this, these are not just, well, at least one of the angels is not just an angel. Yeah, it's interesting in this text. It's right away, and the Lord appeared to him, right? A- and this, all of this is carried out uh, with Abraham recognizing that the Lord has come. The Lord has, uh, the Lord has found favor. If the Lord has found favor uh, on your servant, um, and so we see the three, three men uh, come and have a meal with Abraham. Um, and after all this hospitality took place, um, says that the Lord had uh, pronounced that in one year's time um, that she will have a son, this promised son Isaac. Um, in verse 9 here, it says, They said to him, they said to him, uh, Where is Sarah? And he said, She is in the, in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return. And so there's this interplay happening between they said and the Lord said, yeah, and then a little later on in the next chapter, we have, it says the two angels went to Sodom. And it's just interesting, it didn't say three angels, it said two. And so some interpreters would say that's because that third angel is the pre-incarnate Christ, which is kind of cool to think of. Um, and then another example of scripture of a theophany would be like when Moses is talking to God in the burning bush, that this is also the pre-incarnate Christ. Yep, the angel of the Lord appeared in the burning bush, Exodus 3. And so uh, we see these different instances of how uh, we see the pre-incarnate Christ already working in its in his creation, saying the word of God uh, to the people. Um, and so, uh, like we see in Genesis, um, the word is announced that Sarah will have a son. Um, in the burning bush, uh, the word is sent out that I will send out you, Moses, um, because I've seen the affliction of my people. And so uh, the word is still calling out, bringing about the promise, bringing about the, the promise of salvation and rescue uh, of, of, of yeah. the people. And sorry, I was the other reference I was looking up while you were talking, um, another really great example of a theophany is from Daniel 3. This is with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are, they'd been thrown um, into the hot furnace. Uh, they were in the fire, and actually there is a fourth person there, and this too is the pre-incarnate Christ. It said, we tied only three men, and we threw only three men into the fire. Is that right? His advisor said, yes, king. The king said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire. They are not tied up and they are not burned, the fourth man looks like an angel. So just really cool, another great example for us. Um, but no, I think going back to that here's some question, it is a fair question to ask, and, and fortunately we do have context in Scripture, which I think grants clarity to how we know when it's not just an angel that's actually our Lord. Okay, let's go to the other here's some question I have. Okay, so this question has to do with God being, he's against child sacrifice, yet we have in this text God is commanding Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. So it just seems a little like how would this be acceptable by God to sacrifice a child? Um, And so did God really ask 
for this or was Abraham being misled by by an evil force? I think that's a great question to ask. And whenever we're reading scripture, uh, I think the most important thing to remember is we're reading it Christologically. And so what that means is we are seeing how how Christ is seen through the text. And so uh, whenever we're reading a piece of scripture, um, it's always a helpful reminder looking out for Christ in the midst of that. And of course, I, I try to bring it out in the sermon about uh, God stopping him because there was a greater sacrifice to come. But I think the question here is specifically asking about child sacrifice and what is the importance of sacrifice. Um, and so if you look in that original context, this was something that was practiced by uh, surrounding nations, and it was heavily condemned. Um, God specifically speaks about this, that this is not allowed. You should not be doing anything, any sort of thing like this. In this instance, in Genesis 22, uh, we immediately begin with how, what is God asking? Um, it is a, a test. Um, God is testing him and uh, seeing uh, the faithfulness of Abraham. But of course, uh, God's faithfulness in, is in the midst of that. And we understand that context from Hebrews 11 that uh, Abraham had this promise that God would raise Isaac, um, that the faith was there, that, it, that God would carry out the promise. And so this sacrifice is not aiming towards something that was done by the pagans or uh, surrounding nations or, or people that have multiple gods. This sacrifice uh, was a foreshadow of the sacrifice to come. And you see that, and I, and I try to give different examples of Isaac carrying the wood. And we see that Jesus carried the wood. Um, building the altar, being raised up on the mountain, uh, Jesus being nailed uh, to the cross, being raised on Mount Calvary. These are all things that was going to be carried out by, by God himself. Uh, and you also have to remember the context of when this is uh, being said. And so uh, the writer Moses is writing this uh, story of Abraham and Isaac to the chosen people who have just come out of slavery 430 years in, in Egypt. And so the story is being written to uh, the chosen people, to the people of faith, to the descendants of Abraham, of the faithfulness of God, um, how that promise was given to Abraham and how God carried out that promise not looking at the sacrifice as something that is uh, that God is demanding or or anything like that but of course uh, how does the angel respond that you do not withhold your son um, this test was carried out by Abraham but it was done in faith knowing what God would do not uh, understanding that Abraham was faithful because he did not withhold the son uh, he is uh, compliant or obedient or anything like that but no it's the promise uh, of of god doing his redemptive work all right well thank you vicar so this wraps up the episode for today thank you for listening to our discussion in case you missed the sermon or you'd like to listen to it again the link to the sermons in the show notes and you can also find it on our church website stjohndublin.org and if you the listener would like to submit a question about a sermon please email us at podcast at stjohndublin.org Thank you, Vicar, for joining me and for feeding us the word this week. Thank you.
All right. Take care, you guys. Bye.